Constantinople, now it's Istanbul. Not Constantinople, been a long time gone. Oh, Constantinople, still it's Turkish delight on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul. Not Constantinople, so if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Even old theme of the show is the Sultan Complex, and President Erdogan of Turkey appears to have what looks like uh, a Sultan Complex. So the behavior on this particular issue, uh, you don't shoot down another country's uh, fighter jet just because you think they violated your airspace. As it turns out, it's it looks more and more like Russia did not violate Turkey's airspace. Uh, it, it's absolutely confirmed. The missile, which hit the Russian plane, uh, made contact, hit it in Syrian airspace. And the plane went down in Syrian territory, as did the pilots. Okay? That's confirmed. So technically, that is... Uh, uh, Turkey is, is, is in violation of, uh, numerous international laws and was the aggressor, actually. Russia did not fire upon any, uh, Turkish airspace, did not threaten the country. And this is being spun by the cowards in Washington who are, who came straight out and front of the list is President Barack Obama who said Turkey has a right to defend its airspace. And uh, if, the, if their airspace is threatened, this is also what the Turkish president said. This is redi- a ridiculous statement. Russia had been flying regular sorties for the last three or four weeks every day over the same exact part of the region. Okay, every day. And that information was shared with all parties, including Turkey. Okay, Turkey should have no reason to feel threatened, knowing all that they know and that's information shared. This was uh, part of the deconfliction agreement, which was established, and the U.S. is sharing that information, or should be anyway, with uh, Turkey. Now, if the U.S. wasn't sharing that information with Turkey, then we know basically uh, that the U.S. is part of this this stitch up here. Okay. So either way, all roads lead to Washington, in my opinion. So this creates a now trade embargo between Turkey and Russia. That's a big deal. That's basically a declaration of war, uh, although not a passive declaration of war, but it, nonetheless, that's, just, that's the first step towards declaring war. This isn't good. None of this is good. Okay, but it's it, it it it's an aggressive move by Turkey, and it's being spun by the cowards in 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 the Western media as as Russia was uh, threatening Turkey. I mean, give me a break. So, what do we learn about old Turkey? What's Turkey been up to? Well, let's hear let's hear some of the U.S. media coverage uh, on this particular story. Uh, let me see. We've got uh, wolf, a wolf clip here. Uh, audio clip 15. Go ahead and roll this. Wolf Blitzer. This was some of uh, what CNN was, was grappling with after the fact. And we'll, we'll get into it. 
Following other breaking news, the Turkish military releasing audio of what it says were 10 warnings to a Russian fighter jet that entered Turkish airspace. That jet eventually uh, was uh, taken down by uh, Turkish warplanes, F-16s, in a move Russia says looks like it was a planned provocation. We're back with the Democratic Congressman Adam Smith of Washington State, the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee. I want to show you and our viewers some uh, an animation of what happened along that Turkish-Syrian border. Border, uh, as uh, that Russian plane maneuvered, it actually went over a tiny little strip of southern Turkey, this according to U.S. and Turkish officials, uh, for maybe 17 seconds uh, as it was maneuvering there. It didn't take very long, two miles, if that, and then uh, Turkey shot down that Russian SU-24. Uh, SU was that justified to do that? Uh, did Turkey do the right thing? Well, I don't know. We'll have to get more facts to know if this was justified. But this is part of a pattern from Russia. Um, if this had been the first time that they had gone into Turkish airspace, I doubt this would have happened. But this has been going on for quite some time, and not just in Turkey. Russia has been flaunting international law. Um, they have been they've sent, been sending submarines into uh, territorial waters. There have been many instances where they've been buzzing U.S. aircraft, where they've sent their aircraft into airspace that is where they're not supposed to be. Uh, and Putin has been trying, basically, to provoke and weaken NATO uh, by going anywhere he wants to go. And so I think it's part of that pattern that led up to this. If this had been the first time uh, that a Russian airplane had gone into Turkish airspace, I don't think you would have seen Turkey react this way. But it's happened frequently, and Turkey has warned Russia about this. So I think the response was basically, you know, because of all of the incursions into Turkish airspace that Russia has done. And Russia needs to stop doing that, not just in Turkey, but in a lot of other places where they have been uh, sending ships and or airplanes into airspace that sh where they shouldn't be. As you know, the uh, those ethnic Turks in Syria, Turkmen as they're called, allied with Turkey, uh, they actually started firing machine guns as the two pilots uh, ejected from that, that downed uh, warplane and one of the pilots was killed. Uh, th th this is considered to be, at least by some, a, a, a violation of international law, war crime, if you will. And by all accounts, Russia probably is going to go after those Turkmen, uh, those ethnic Turks inside Syria. The Turkish government says they want to protect their fellow Turks in Syria. This could escalate this crisis, couldn't it? Yes, no, it's, a, it's a dangerous situation. Keep in mind, it, independent of the violation of Turkish airspace, Turkey is backing rebels who want to remove Assad. Russia is trying to protect Assad. So Russia has been bombing these Turkish-backed rebels for some time. So yes, there, there's the clear potential for a conflict here, and I think it is really important uh, that we try to work together to get on, on the same page. I mean, Russia says they're concerned about ISIL, um, though to this point, mostly they've been bombing rebels that are not associated with ISIL. Mostly, Russia just wants to protect their interests in Syria. And what we have to convince them is that Assad is not the solution to that. We need an alternative to uh, President Assad, and, and we need to work with as many different groups as possible to get that alternative in place. And that's not going to be easy. But yeah, Russia and Turkey are, not, are on opposite sides of a conflict directly to the south of Turkey, and there is de definitely a huge risk uh, of escalation given that reality. You say the U.S. should consider partnering with Russia in Syria if Putin demonstrates his commitment first and foremost to fighting ISIS. Is that realistic given his support for Bashar al-Assad's regime? 
Okay, so that was uh, that was Wolf Blitzer, and I don't have the name of the uh, person. I'm, it's, it's probably either a military person or someone from Washington. Uh, I don't have the name at hand, unfortunately. One of their experts, uh, nonetheless. So, and I got nothing nice to say about that person because you could you could see the snottiness in his voice. Uh, at the beginning of that segment, you can go ahead and rewind this if you listen to the recording, but he said, uh, so it was all about Russia, 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 Putin, Putin, Putin. Oh, this is, this is a pattern of behavior by Russia. Okay. Let's just talk. This is, this is me to the so-called experts. Okay. And I don't care what your title is. I don't care how many years you're in the Pentagon or whatever. If you're on CNN sitting there in front of Blitzer, then your you your job is you're a propagandist, okay? You're there to pitch whatever the sort of party line is, okay? You're 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 sort of a, you're a press hooker, you're a press hooker if you're sitting there on CNN because CNN it has no credibility anymore, okay? And I'll talk about that in a minute a scandal that's come up with CNN that pretty much proves everything that we've been saying about the uh, Central Intelligence net, uh, Cable Network. Uh, so let's just talk about what this expert said. So he said that Putin's trying to weaken NATO. Um, I, last time I checked, NATO is completely surrounding Russia, which is a huge uh, break from the remit of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Let's talk about airspace for a minute, okay? During the whole of the Cold War, this is the military, whatever, the Pentagon lackey or expert, listen to me. During the whole of the Cold War, that didn't happen, okay? That didn't happen. If that happened this week, it's because someone gave the order for that to happen. These things do not happen by accident. I'm sorry. But you, you, you listen to the U.S. media, you listen to the coverage, and they're sitting there like 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 goofballs with their thumb in their mouth saying, oh, I wonder if it was an accident or if it was intentional. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. So, so that was a, a Sukhoi 24, Sukhoi 25 fighter bomber. It's not a super, it's, it's, it's a fast aircraft, but it's not as fast as an F-16. So normally the protocol would be if they did indeed try to contact them by radio. And I heard the recording released by Turkish authorities the day after. It was a joke. Okay. I couldn't even understand what the guy was saying. If I was a Russian, even if I was fluent in English, I wouldn't have been able to understand a damn word the guy said. The Turkish air traffic controller, the pilot. So. That's the first thing. <laughs> Second thing is they claim they gave them ten warnings. How can you give them ten warnings if you're only if if and and then Turkey says they're only in our airspace seventeen seconds? How do you give ten warnings in seventeen seconds? Unless you're like the guy at the auction, give me the dime, give me the more, give me the dime, give me more. Sold number four. That guy could probably give ten warnings in. Uh, in 17 seconds, yeah, or, or MC Young, the young MC could probably do it. Okay. Anybody else? Impossible. And in bad Turkish English. No way. Okay. The whole thing is a joke. Turkey, the explanation, it was so weak. It was so pathetic. To, to put that out internationally did not do Turkey any favors in terms of its reputation because it was so shoddy. 
Okay, and who could buy? Who could possibly buy that story? Well, you'd like to think no one did, but of course Barack Obama seems to have bought it. So it doesn't say a lot of good things about President Obama and his capacity to deal with these types of sensitive issues. Okay, he immediately took Turkey's side. So normally, the F sixteen, if it's if if you don't make radio contact, rules of engagement. Well, at least in the civilized world, is the faster aircraft will then move alongside of the slower aircraft, and you could even get uh, a visual cockpit to cockpit visual contact. And then there are a series of hand signals, international hand signals, where one pilot could say to the other, "You know, change your heading south. You're in our airspace, basically." If the radio is not working for whatever reason. That's normal, okay? And the Soviet Union, the United States, would would be able to tell you they've been doing that, or the British and the Soviet Union, or the Germans, or whoever. The Germans don't have an air force, but could tell you that they've been doing that for uh, decades, okay? That's how you avoid these unfortunate situations, okay? So if the Turkish pilot is that stupid, or they're that dumb that they don't know that, then they shouldn't be flying. Full stop. And to say that they're a part of NATO is a joke. I don't think they're that stupid. I think they knew exactly what they're doing. That was a ambush attack designed to create, to increase the tension in the area. So Turkey's basically taking one for the team by sort of take, well, sort of half taking ownership of this. Washington's in the background waiting to see how Russia will react. Okay. And then using this as a kind of a crisis to see if there's a, a way that we can increase the tension so that people become more afraid about the consequences in this region, and they will demand a greater international presence and sanctuaries, safe zones, and all these things they're talking about, no-fly zones, which is a, t- a complete crackpot concept in this situation. But, you know, our politicians are complete crackpots for the most part. And uh, you can see when these things happen, you can see who's actually got brains and who doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. So so Turkey's on about its airspace and everyone's all, yeah, of course, Turkey needs to protect its airspace. It's this right. Turkey violates Greece's airspace on a daily basis, a daily basis for I don't know how many years. To provoke Greece. Okay. Do you know that? Does it, does anybody know that? Does anybody know that? And I can tell you as well, personally, that when I was in Lebanon, Israel violates Lebanese airspace and does it in a very aggressive way. Uh, even over cities. Like Beirut. Okay. And they call it whatever, buzzing the city or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, it's not a nice thing when that happens. So, and Israel violates Syria's airspace as and when it wants, and it will even bomb them occasionally as and when they want. Turkey violates Syria's airspace. The United States violates Syria's airspace on a daily basis. Oh, and by the way, Turkey stopped violating Greek airspace uh, after the Russian Su-24 got shot down. They shot it down. Then they stopped, they stopped incursions into Greek airspace 
uh, with their F-16 uh, Air Force that day. Now, that should tell you something. That should tell you something. That was part of the game plan, okay? So it also shows their guilt. So who... So what about Syria's airspace? Do they have any rights? Well, according to the U.S. and its uh, grand coalition, no, they don't have any rights because uh, Bashar al-Assad must go, blah, 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 that, that old tired old mantra. Just keep playing that old broken record. So, oh, my goodness. So, so okay, so this pilot gets shot down, and uh, pilot escapes or... One pilot escapes, the other gets killed in midair, and the uh, moderate terrorists drag his body all over the place and put it up on Twitter. Okay? It's pretty gruesome. We reposted that that tweet. It, it wasn't too bad. You couldn't see a whole lot. You kind of could work out what you were looking at there. But we put it up because it wasn't too graphic, because if it was too graphic, I'd probably just link to it. But but I wanted, it was important as part of the story that people understand, because in that video you could hear that these were not moderate rebels, that they were shouting, Mujahideen, Mujahideen. There's, you can go to the story on 21st Century Wire, you can watch that video. Uh, I think that was um, when the story broke. We had that up there. Uh, I'll try to get that for you, but th- this this is not... Uh, these are not moderate rebels. I'm sorry. No, these are hardcore uh, jihadists. Make no mistake about that. Okay. And here we have our uh, our media trying to uh, tell us, oh, they're the moderate rebels. Okay. The, you, you, one could make the argument that Turkey shot down that Russian plane because they were basically, Turkey was trying to protect its terrorists on the ground. Pretty shocking, but uh, that's not out of the realms of possibility. This was shot by the uh, moderate uh, terrorists uh, on the ground after they shot up a Russian uh, pilot who was parachuting to safety. And uh, I saw this right when it came out. It was sort of someone dropped it on my Facebook page. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip. Listen, listen closely to the uh, to them celebrating about their the prize. That they've got. It's uh, this is just the audio. Obviously, the the video is a little bit gory, but um, you you can tell what's going on in the audio. Go ahead and roll that. Okay, so those those are the moderate rebels. Those are the John McCain's little army running around. Uh, and so they're trying to say, well, these are the moderate rebels. Okay. Well, what do we find out from this? We find out that not only are they not the moderate rebels, they're saying, oh, these are the Turkmen fighters. The Turkmen fighters. Turns out that they're not just Turkmen, they're Turkish, Turk, some of them are Turkish nationals. One of them, who was celebrating in one of the videos, it turns out that, uh, his father is a high-ranking politician, a member of the MHP, former mayor of Kaban. And 
the fighter himself is a member of the uh, one of the Turkish nationalist uh, party, uh, one of the vanguard organizations called the Grey Wolves. This is directly uh, the, the president himself. This is part of his political vanguard. So this changes things a little bit, doesn't it? So Turkey is cover and covering for these guys. Cover how can you cover for people like that? Well, that's what they're trying to do. I say guilty as charged completely. So this is a Islamist rebel group. So these are basically Al Qaeda affiliates. Whatever you want to call them. There's no difference between ISIS. The only difference is the flag. Okay, and maybe some minor differences. But essentially, they're all playing for the same cause, which is a, a kind of a, established some sort of a caliphate uh, in Syria and uh, Iraq and who knows where else. So these are the people the U.S. is backing. They've got U.S. weapons, U.S. tow missiles. They blew up the Russian rescue helicopter, killed the Russian officers with a U.S.-supplied tow missile from the United States of America. Boom. No ifs, ands, or buts. We are arming terrorists. Okay, that is a, that that is illegal on every count, internationally and domestically and whatever. We are arming terrorists. This is what it is, and even the U.S. admits. The U.S. even admits, backtracks a little bit, and says, uh, "Actually, you know what? This took a couple of days. We knew straight away." I told you straight away, or, or, or more or less said as much. Um, but Washington finally, after enough days, admits that the Russian Su-24 combat plane was was actually downed in, in Syrian airspace, not Turkish airspace. You see, that doesn't make any headlines, though. Isn't it amazing? That that would be big news. No, not in, not in the U.S. media. It's too embarrassing. It makes little news, little news, little news. So, my goodness. So what happens? The day after this, everyone was waiting. Obama had a speech planned, Rose Garden, or the East Room, with uh, Francois Hollande. They're all, they've all got the French pronunciation down, down pat. Francois, I'll call him Hollande, but they say, Francois Hollande, Hollande, everyone at CNN got their, their, their crack, uh, tr- uh, crash, uh, French course. So Obama comes out, comes out striding out. You expect him to address this, uh, what can only be described as a, as, as a kind of a, uh, provocation. A NATO member shooting down a Russian fighter. And then what happened after was horrific. You'd expect him to address this right off the bat, but no, no. CNN comes out with the leader. Obama says, we are all French now. So just more hashtags. You expect substance, you get hashtags. This is, this is what American politics is now. So, so twisted and full of lies. Hashtag city. Okay. Obama, we are French now. Now you expect him to get into it. And there's Holland there. I mean, Holland, he's, he's, uh, I don't know what to say about that guy, but I can talk about my president. 
is he started his, with his act, his his jokes. His, his it was cringeworthy. Such a serious moment in history, and we look to our president, and he carries on like it's a Rotary Club speech. It was humiliating. And then he then it, it, it doesn't mention anything about Russia or nothing like this. Here's what here's Obama's opening gamut. The, all the press are there. The the worthless press corps is there. Everyone's impressed. And Obama begins by saying, "They're part of our." He's talking about France, okay? So he's kissing up to all things French. They're part of our memories, woven into uh, the fabric uh, of our lives and our culture. I'm I'm very grateful to the French people for the hospitality they've they've always shown me, and when they welcomed Michelle and our daughters uh, on uh, on her first visit to the City of Lights. Uh, by my bed in the residence in the White House, uh, there's a picture of me and Michelle in Luxembourg Gardens in Paris kissing. Uh, those are the memories uh, we have of Paris uh, as early on. Uh, that was uh, back when I had no gray hair. Ha, ha, ha. That was, that, I just gave you Obama's speech there. That was word for word, pretty much. What a joke. So, so you know, the world's looking and watching, and this, so this is what our president has to offer up to deal with this. Talking about his Kodak moments. Unbelievable. And then they go on to, ch- straight away, what, is, what does the president do? He blames Russia, chastises Russia, and says, you know, uh, I do think uh, that this uh, points to an ongoing problem. Uh, with uh, the Russian operations, uh, in a sense that uh, they uh, they're operating very close uh, to the Turkish border, uh, and they're they're going to they're going after the moderate op- opposition uh, that are supported uh, not only by Turkey but a wide range of countries, including us. Uh, and if uh, Russia is uh, directing its energy uh, instead towards uh, Dash Dash and ISIL. Who the hell are Dash and ISIL? So, Daesh, Obama, Daesh. Okay, and it's not ISIL, it's ISIS. Uh, some of those conflicts uh, are potential for mistakes or m- potential for escalations uh, are less likely to occur. That's what he said. That's what he said. So, he's he, he not only avoids the issue, he feeds you a lie. And the lie is that, and you hear this lie repeated over and over, Goebbels would be proud right now that Russia is not attacking ISIS, that Russia is attacking uh, U.S.-backed rebels. Well, that might be, that might be uh, true, but who are the U.S.-backed rebels? Because if they're al-Nusra front, those are hardcore Islamic terrorists. So you're admitting those are U.S.-backed rebels, and Washington nods its head and says, yes. Am I the only one who sees the problem here? No, I think a lot of people see the problem here now. The whole enterprise is a fraud. The whole, whole thing is a fraud. Everyone's supposed to be horrified by ISIS, and, st- and Obama comes here and gives an Hollande, 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 uh, Francois 
that Assad is the problem, that Assad is the reason. Uh, Holland even dropped a new figure um, that Assad has killed 300,000 of his own people now. He's pumped up that number. Last week it was 240,000 civilians, they claim. Where do they get these numbers? They just make them up. They make up the numbers. There's there, there's a, some stooge uh, who goes by a fake name, Rami Abdelhraman. That's not his real name. His last name. His real name is Osman. So he's a Syrian ex-convict who gets funding from the European Union to run the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights out of his bedroom, and he supplies all these statistics. It can, it's, it's, it's a laugh. It really is a laugh. If it weren't so tragic, it would be funny. And you have the French leader going and quoting some stooge running an NGO out of his flat in Coventry, getting funding from, from the foreign office maybe. I don't know for sure. I would guess yes. The same people who fund the White Helmets. That's another sort of bogus NGO. And the, the European Union. And, and then so he produces the statistics, which they base as their evidence of how many people of Bashar al So they've demonized Assad based on a lot of this sort of fictional made-up stuff. And again, I'm still waiting for a film of the barrel bombings because I haven't seen... They, they, they're telling us they happen every five minutes, yet no one's produced a video of one. What a disappointment. But, you know, you, you get used to these disappointments with this president. You really do. It just becomes the norm. Well, it, it, one of the good things that's come out of this event is that it's exposed Turkey, uh, and people are now starting to talk about what we've been talking about for a long time, uh, about the transfer of so-called ISIS oil, illegal black market oil trade through Turkey and the guns, and the human trafficking, and the narcotics, and the Capticon, and the cash, and the weapons, and the terrorist fighters camping out in Turkey, coming to fight in Syria, going back to Turkey, back to Syria, getting trained by uh, probably our special forces at uh, some maybe Inserlik Air Base. I don't know if they've got a little training set, uh, operation set up there. I, you don't know. It's so bad. You don't know where to start. They've been doing, our, our NATO, our allies, whoever, whatever you want to call it, the coalition of the willing, they've been training terrorists in Jordan and Turkey for the last four years and just pumping them into Syria, massive mayhem, maximum chaos. And then we turn around and say, oh, we're going to fight ISIS, uh, coalition. We're going to do airstrikes. We're going to bomb ISIS. They've been building up ISIS for the last four years. The allies, the coalition. Incredible. And then you have, it, it, it's worse than that. It really is worse than that. And then you have people coming on saying that, well, Saudi Arabia and Turkey need to be on the same page. I heard that today. That, you know, if this is really going to work, we need, we need Turkey and Saudi Arabia on the same page. We need to be on our page. So, I don't know, here's, here's a, here's a good example of that. This is audio clip 26. So this is them talking about 
uh, how we need to, we need to you know Saudi and the Turks need to be. I don't know who this was. We'll we'll talk about it after the clip. But go ahead and roll that audio clip twenty six. Make uh, any progress against ISIS if Turkey and Saudi Arabia are not sort of following the U.S. Uh, strategic goal here. Well, I think that those two really do have to be on board, or we have to be on board with them in terms of priorities. And I think we need to look at what they are trying to accomplish, what their goals are. As I said, most of these countries have another agenda. Uh, the Saudis are mostly worried about Iran. Uh, the Turks more about the uh, Kurds and so on. But they both are united in the fact that Assad has to go before you can make any real progress against ISIS. I think we need to listen to them if we want them to be active and aggressive members of the of the coalition. But the reality is, you know, you t you hear people talk about sending uh, combat formations from Arab nations uh, into Iraq to uh, to fight ISIS. That's just not going to happen. First, they they are not going to send their troops, not willing to send their right. troops. But second, the Iraqis probably wouldn't allow them to come anyway. You've got an Iranian-influenced uh, government in Baghdad, and the notion that they would invite Saudi or Gulf state troops into their country uh, to fight what is an internal fight in their eyes, I think, is, uh, is very unrealistic. Whether you realize it or not, or, or maybe what, it's only what I'm hearing, but you seem to be painting a picture that then inevitably says, well, the U.S. is going to have no choice but to... So it, it'll be a cold day in hell. It will be a cold day in hell before you see a Saudi or Qatari uh, boot on the ground in Syria. Trust us on that, okay? They'll go nowhere near that. So the the fact that these guys, this is someone on Meet the Press. I mean, that's a major big show, and they have this. The the, the level of the idiocracy uh, media is just off the charts. These are the experts, and it's just one after another. You just watch it all day. On TV, none of them know anything. So they're talking about, you know, we need, well, can we get Arab, can we get Arab uh, boots on the ground? And, uh, you know, we need to, we need to get the Arabs involved. What do you think the Syrians are? Arabs? Yes, they're Arabs. Syrian soldiers, hundreds of thousands of them, they're Arabs. They're Sunnis. They're Shiites, they're Christians, whatever. They're Arabs. Incredible. So they're talking about like uh, if, if if Assad's this uh, dictator and he's got an iron grip on the country, blah blah blah. Why do you think all these hundreds of thousands of Syrians are giving, sacrificing their life to fight a foreign insurgency that's been funneled into their country with the backing of the United States, the backing of Turkey, and their allies and Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Kuwait and all the rest. How do you think the Syrians feel about that? Do you think they're on our side? Do you think they, 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 they're looking uh, favorably on the West, sending tow missiles and terrorist fighters, violent, killing people, destroyed their country, destroyed it? And you have these idiots sitting back, still, still musing, fantasizing, trying to paint a picture of a reality in their own mind about Assad this, Assad that. This is a repeat of Iraq. They did the same thing with Saddam Hussein. It was Saddam, Saddam, Saddam. They call him by his first name, Saddam. 
They don't call Bashir by his first name. Do you notice that? They call him Assad by his last name. But before Saddam, Saddam, Saddam. Now Putin, Putin, Putin. This is this is a trick of the West. This is brainwashing. So the people who fall for this, there's even media operatives that have been brainwashed. Okay, absolutely brainwashed into, into sort of buying all this stuff. Uh, unbelievable. It's absolutely incredible. There's no end to it. There's no end to it. This, how dangerous is this? This is getting to a point. It's so dangerous now. They have made such a dangerous environment. They have, they have armed and put weapons in the hands of killers. Cold-blooded killers, religious zealots with U.S. weapons. How dangerous is this? Shame on the United States for doing this time and time again. You did this with the Mujahideen. You did it with Al-Qaeda. That gave you the Taliban. And then you go and you bomb and occupy Afghanistan and yada, yada, yada. On and on it goes. You've done it here in Syria. You've done it again. You've done it again. And anybody who still falls for this and believes it, like, oh, we have nothing to do with that. (laughs) You're kidding me. You're so naive, you're hopeless. You're hopeless. So who's to to Turkey? Uh, Erdogan, the president, his son Bilal, is uh, featured in... uh, a few uh, online uh, news articles here uh, involved what in the selling of oil, ISIS oil. That's interesting. And there's another company in there. Well, we talked about that last week, I think. Well, Janelle Energy, the British British government-backed company, they're buying what oil from ISIS. Wow! So the British are in the in the frame. So David Cameron. David Cameron's all gung ho. He wants to uh, wants to go to war. So we have to ask David. Well, what's the deal with Janelle Energy? And I believe a member of the Rothschild family runs that company. Go ahead and look it up. Put in Janelle G E N E L Janelle Energy. Put ISIS oil and Rothschild. Put that in Google. See what you find. Just, just punch that in. Okay. So that was actually a report. It was commissioned by, uh, I think it was Middle East Eye on this very subject. I mean, it's pretty damning. Absolutely damning. But, uh, you know, we, we, we could get into that a little deeper. So on, on the, so go ahead and this is t- Turkey and oil. Where do we start? Well, Cameron wants to go to war. Go ahead and listen to David. Audio clip one. Here's David on on the rampage. Meanwhile, in an attempt to try to convince lawmakers to back airstrikes against ISIL in Syria, British Prime Minister David Cameron has been grilled for more than two hours in Parliament. Some MPs wanted to know how legal such an operation would be and whether it could lead to some unintended consequences. 
Does the Prime Minister believe that the United Nations Security Resolution 2249 gives clear and unambiguous authorization for UK airstrikes? And in the absence of any coordinated UN military or diplomatic strategy, does he believe that more military forces over Syria could increase the risks of dangerous incidents such as the shooting down of a Russian military aircraft by Turkish forces this week? But David Cameron said launching air raids against Islamic State would be an act of self-defense. Why should we take ISIL's campaign against the UK and our allies has reached the level of an armed attack, such that force may lawfully be used in self-defense? Meanwhile, thousands of people gathered outside 10 Downing Street in London on Saturday protesting against the possible airstrikes. More than a dozen other demonstrations were held across the country. Former senior naval officer Chris Parry thinks the United Nations should take the lead now in solving the Syrian... Okay, so David, I'm going to ask you, if I was in Parliament, I'd be up there at question time and I would say, uh, I've got a question for the, uh, the right honourable uh, gentleman there from Oxford. Um, let's talk about Britain's secret ties to uh, firms that are behind ISIS oil sales. Let's talk about that. Um, is it true, Prime Minister, is it true that uh, key allies in the U.S. and U.K. coalition in the war on ISIS against the so-called Islamic State, it's not a state, in fact, every time you call it a state, you're empowering it. Is it true that the UK and the US and its allies are covertly financing the terrorist movement? Uh, is that true? Is it true that US and British oil companies are heavily invested in the murky uh, geopolitical triangle there uh, that's sustaining ISIS's black market oil sales? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true that the... Uh, KRG, the Kurdish regional government in Iraq, and Turkish military intelligence, MIT, have both supported secret ISIS oil smuggling operations and even supplied arms to terrorist groups? Is it true? Is it true that one British oil company, Janelle Energy, which is contracted by the KRG, the Kurdish regional government, to supply oil for a major Kurdish firm accused of facilitating ISIS oil sales into Turkey. Is that true? And if that's true, uh, is, is, is Janelle, are they operating in uh, with the KRG? Are they doing that with the backing of the British government then? And, and is this also linked to a British parliamentary group? with long-standing connections to both British and KRG oil industries? And and is the relationship between the British and the Kurdish energy companies, uh, does that link to senior British politicians? Does this not, right honorable gentlemen, raise the question about the conflicts of interest, especially in the context of the war on terror, that is supposed to be targeting not financing ISIS. How do you answer that, sir? And a silence drops in the room. And everyone says, well, looks like it's time for tea.
So there, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're left with at the end of the day. That's what we're left with. Absolute, total collusion. It's not just Turkey. It's, it's Britain. It's the United States actually doing business with terrorist entities with the full knowledge and backing of our governments. That means arrest them all, lock them up, throw away the key. They are part of the problem, not, and they should not be allowed to be part of the, their solution if they themselves are part of the problem. That's justice. That's justice. We're going to take a short break and connect our, our, our guest, Finian Cunningham, uh, on the other side. We're going to take a short break. This is the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Hennington. Stay right there. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. Get out of here, you low-life scum.